enjoying the rain? How many got caught in the rain going to school this month? Anybody got caught in the rain this school? Uh, this school, this month? I hate it. I, you ever notice something real quick? This has nothing to do with my message. But have y'all ever noticed that in the rain, you're pretty okay as long as you keep your neck dry? Anybody ever notice that? Like if you can do one of these, you can survive. But the second water hits your neck, you're like, ah. Anybody ever feel that? I feel like I'm, I'm decent as long as I can keep my neck dry. I don't know why. Maybe I've got a fat neck, but I digress. Uh, real quick, just a couple announcements in case you came late. Uh, make sure you come tomorrow night because tomorrow night is our last small group of this semester. So we want to make sure that everybody is here. Every small group is going to be celebrating and they're going to be doing something special. So we want to make sure that all of you are here tomorrow night for the last small group of the semester. And just keep in mind, it's the last of the semester, not the last ever. We're going to take a little two-month break. If you've ever wondered why we take a two-month break, it's simple. Um, if my leaders don't get a break, they will murder you. And so in order to not murder you, we give them time to relax, to unwind, to, to set themselves right. And on top of that, we take time during that period to work on small groups, to make it better so that it's something that honors God and blesses you and makes you want to come. And so we work on that all between that time frame. And so just remember to be here uh, tomorrow night. One other thing, how many of you in this room, if you got baptized last Sunday, would you stand? Are you here? If you got baptized last Sunday, would you stand up for us real quick? Yeah. Amen. Y'all can sit down. We just want to celebrate you. We had 15 people get baptized last Sunday. And uh, my hands were all wrinkly, and, and I, was, I was barely had any water left in the tank by the end. Uh, one other little Joey, I almost choke slammed him in the water because he was so little that if you look at the video, I'm just, like, grabbing him by the neck. And, like, it was just crazy. But, I mean, I'm so grateful uh, for all of you guys and for that opportunity to do that. Amen? Uh, let's jump into God's word today. I was thinking about something. Have any of you ever heard of uh, military imposters. Anybody ever heard of that, a military imposter? Let me explain that for you. There's a bunch of slang terms for them. Uh, but basically what a military imposter is, is somebody who walks around with military gear on, military uniforms, military fatigue, but they are not in the actual military. So what they do is they walk around in the gear so they can get recognized by people. So it's, it's, uh, there's some mental thing going on with this individual. But basically, they want people to come up to them and thank them for their service. They want all the perks of being military. They ask for military discounts. Like, they get all these weird, like, military accolades. And the thing is, most people won't notice it because they don't always understand, if you're not in the military, what the certain badges mean and what all the different rankings are. But usually if a military person walks around and catches that, they lose their mind. Like they get genuinely upset. And I agree. Like if you signed up for the military, I mean, just if you went to boot camp alone, you know, let alone seen combat and been through some serious situations, you've gone through it, right? So having to go through it and then seeing somebody else false flag about it, seeing somebody else claim it, that would make you mad, right? And the first thing you would think when you look at that person is you would say, you're a liar. Not just you're a liar, you'd want to expose the lie. And so if you look it up, you can see on YouTube there's a lot of times where military guys will pull out their phone and they'll start asking them military questions just to show that they're not in the military. And they'll just put them on blast because it's this really infuriating thing. Now the crazy thing is you would think that person knows what they're doing. 
they know that they never signed up, even though for the most part, a majority of us have the ability outside of any medical stuff or, and maybe legal stuff to sign up, but it's not like the military is not, you know, wanting people. They were, if y'all have gone to city of Chicago high school, you know the military tried to recruit you, right? Like, they're always on you. I, I, I said I was possibly interested in the Marines, and that dude tried to move into my house. He was just always on me, never let me go. So, yes, they want you, but for whatever reason, these are individuals who didn't sign up, and yet still in their mind, I think they actually believe their own delusion. They actually think, yes, I am a veteran. I am in the military. And why am I bringing all that up? Because as a believer, I'll be honest with you, sometimes it gets under my skin when I see someone who doesn't have a relationship with God, whose life clearly dictates they don't have a relationship with God, and yet claim to have a relationship with God. It's a little frustrating. It's a little frustrating when I'm looking up your news feed and I see all these scriptures and all these nice things about God and then I keep scrolling and I see all these inappropriate videos and I see all these inappropriate comments and, and I'm like, I'm confused by your life. I don't understand who you really are and I don't think you understand who you really are. And so that's the reason I have an issue with that is because of the fact that you claim to have a relationship with God. And that's what confuses people. One of my favorite quotes is the greatest single cause of atheism in the world are Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips but live an alternate lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world truly finds unbelievable. So the, for me, the reason it upsets me is because it makes my job harder because now, based on your life, that's what your people in your world think a Christian is supposed to be. And so they already come to me with all these walls and all these ideas and all these issues because they've seen these phony Christians. These people that claimed one thing with their lips but lived an alternate lifestyle. Now this isn't anything new though. If you look at your Bibles and we're going to look at 1 John, this is something that John approaches. Last week I met with some of our young adults and we were going through 1 John and I was like, hey, I'll just preach about that next week. And so as we were studying it, we started to look at a few things. And I want you to notice what the scriptures say because I want to really unpack this tonight. If you have your Bibles, 1 John, don't get it confused with the gospel of John. So there's the gospel of John, which are the four books of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the beginning of the New Testament. And then later on, there's uh, three books or three letters that John wrote, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. If you want to read a book in the Bible, read one of these. It's like a chapter long. You'll feel like you knocked it out the park. you feel like awesome, Okay. And so John, just to give you a little backstory on who John is, John is one of the disciples. He walked with Jesus. He lived three years with Jesus. He was a part of Jesus' ministry. He performed miracles with Jesus. He heard it from the lips of Jesus. He had a really cool nickname. I think he had one of the coolest nicknames from all the disciples. He was known as John the Beloved. Uh, most scholars believe it's because he was probably the youngest of the disciples. How many of you and your crew, you got like a young person that everybody picks on, but you don't let nobody else mess with them? You know what I'm talking about? Like you mess with them, but they're like, no, 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 homie. We, that, you don't mess with them. That's our youngin', right? So you got that little one. John was the little one, but the beloved also meant his relationship with God. John had a very loving relationship with God. He was very close uh, emotionally to God. He was very close and an endearing thing to God. When all the other disciples ran out during Christ's crucifixion, everybody scattered except for John the beloved. He was there at Jesus' crucifixion. This guy was very, very close 
to Jesus Christ. And so you see in his book, 1 John, it's very much written in that relationship type of way. And he opens up the book of 1 John with saying, listen, I walked with Jesus. I had a relationship with Jesus. And I am giving you a message directly from his lips. And that message is this. He wants a relationship with you too. There is an open invitation to every human being to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This isn't just salvation. This is a relationship. Often you've heard me say when I I ask if somebody wants to have a relationship with Jesus, I usually tell them, hey, this is like a marriage, okay? The moment I said yes to my wife at the altar and we turned in that piece of paper, we were legally married But we didn't have a marriage relationship. We learned to build on that. And in August, we'll celebrate five years of learning to build this marriage relationship. So how many know I can still be married to my wife and have no relationship with her? So I'm not talking about salvation specifically. I'm talking about relationship. You might have said something when you were young, at same kind of situation like this. A pastor might have made some sort of altar call or some sort of response time and said, hey, do you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And you might have raised your hands and said a prayer and accepted Jesus and been saved. That's not the question. The question is, after that, have you maintained a relationship with Jesus? I mean, we all have friends, right? We all have friends that we were really close with and for whatever reason didn't maintain the relationship. So now when you walk across that friend in school, you act like you're on your phone just so you don't have to make eye contact and talk with them. Why? Because the relationship's not there anymore. And some of you do that in church. That's why you're on your phone during services because there's no relationship with God and so you don't even want to make eye contact with them. Okay? But here John is saying, listen, let me explain this very clearly. Jesus Christ's desire, the whole purpose of Jesus Christ dying on the cross wasn't just for your salvation. It wasn't just so you can go to heaven. That was never the point. The point was relationship. Because of sin in our life, we were separated from God and we had no relationship with him anymore. And what Jesus Christ did was he paid the ultimate price of your sin so that you can now have a relationship with him. This is the key aspect. And what John points out right in the beginning is that he wants Christ, meaning all of us to have a relationship with him. And then I'm going to go in to verse 5 through 7 because listen to what it says. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare it to you. Okay. So he's making sure you understand. This is not my opinion. This is not what I think. This is what Jesus spoke to me and now I'm speaking it to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So tonight I want to unpack that. Tonight I want to really break that down to help you understand what he means. And to start with that, we have to understand what he means when he says God is light. So if you're taking notes, that's the first thing you want to write down. God is light. What does that mean that God is light? <laughs> light is one of the purest things on earth. Okay? And what God is saying is you are either living in light or you're living in darkness. Now, if God is light, he's saying you're with me and there is light in you. And he goes on to say there is no darkness in him. He is pure light. There's no spots. There's no blemishes. There's no shadows. God is pure light. Okay? Now, here's something that in case you haven't taken physics yet, you may not fully understand. But there is no such thing as darkness. Okay? Do you guys understand that? 
There is no such thing as darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. So if there's darkness, it's not that darkness has appeared, it's that there's no light there. And so when he says God is light, he means that he is the personification of light. He is the very light itself. If you look at your Bibles, John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Now notice the verse says, you won't have to walk in darkness. It doesn't say that you won't walk in darkness. It leaves the option to you. God is saying, listen, I'm light. And if you want to walk in the light, you can walk with me and you won't have to walk in darkness. But you may choose to do it. Based on your actions, based on your decisions, you may choose to walk in darkness. How many know it ain't fun to walk in darkness? How many ever hurt that baby toe and figured out, I hate walking in darkness? There are some times where, you know, Pastor Joey's got to wake up in the middle of the night and he's got to pee. And he wants to turn the light on, but he'll wake Cease up. So Pastor Joey's got to walk in darkness. And I'm filling up the wall, touching things, bumping into things. It makes you angry. It's hard to pee at night in the darkness. I'm just like, man, I hope I made it. <laughs> I can just figure it out in the morning. Okay? It is not good to walk in darkness. When you walk in darkness is when you get hurt. When you walk in darkness is when you stub yourself, when you hurt yourself. And so what Jesus is saying is, listen, I am light. You don't have to walk in darkness. But in order to not walk in darkness, you have to walk in light. Let me explain that to you real quick. Do me a favor, Jonathan. Would you kill the lights real quick? Okay. So what he's saying is, here's light. Y'all in darkness. Now, if you want to walk in light, Valerie, come here. Valerie, come here. <laughs> I know it's dark. You couldn't tell. If she wants to walk with me, go ahead, walk with me. She's got to stay where the light goes, right? If she keeps walking without the light, she's walking in darkness. Now, she, I, God, God didn't leave her. God's going where he's going. She just didn't keep walking with me. So now she doesn't know where she's going. Good thing you didn't hit yourself on that. Now she doesn't know where she's going. But if she walks with me, come on, she stays where the light is. And so what Jesus said, hey, listen, you can stay in the light and not hurt yourself as long as you agree to stay next to me because I am the source of light. But the second you drift from me, you wander off into darkness. Does that make sense? All right, you can turn the lights on real quick. Thank you, Vale. So listen, this is the part that confuses us. Because we think we can walk wherever we want, do whatever we want, live however we want, and we still have closeness to God. And God is saying, no, 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 it's a decision. I am the light of the world. I will illuminate. I will make everything clear if you walk with me. And that term walk is important because it's not just simply about uh, standing in the light because God isn't stagnant. God doesn't just stay in one place. God is trying to move you in your life. And so there is action that follows up walking in the light. There is action to walking in the light. You can't just say, yeah, I'm in the light and not have action accompanied with it. You have to walk in that. So what does that look like? You walk in the light when you read your word. You walk in the light when you don't do the things that are done in darkness. You walk in the light when you understand that wherever I go, I'm taking Jesus with me. Too many of us forget. And here's the funny thing. Because we act like, if you want to think about it like this, you do certain things that you would be horribly embarrassed to do in front of me. But you're not embarrassed to do it in front of Jesus. 
you do things that you'd be horribly embarrassed to do in front of your parents. But apparently you're not afraid to do it in front of Jesus. And it's either one of two things. Either you don't care that Jesus sees or he's not with you there because you're in darkness. And in Jesus there is no darkness. So it's one of the two. It's one of those two. So the problem is, and what John brings up, he's saying, listen, if you think that you can walk in darkness and still live in light, you're lying. He goes on to say this. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. So if you're taking notes, number two is this. Your truth is a lie. Your truth, your personal truth is a lie. That's what it means to live in darkness. Okay? God's truth is absolute, not subjective, meaning it, it, he determines truth. It's not determined by what you feel or what you think or what you assume or based on your understanding. It is solely based on what God says. Okay? So if I'm like, hey, this table's black, and you're like, no, nah, it's blue. And I'm like, no, it's black. And you're like, no, nah, it's purple. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is black. And you're like, no, it's neon green. You can say it. You could even believe it, but that's not true. What happens in today's world more than ever before is instead of you saying, well, okay, it's black, you go, well, you got your truth, I got mine. So you can go on believing that's black, and I'll just keep believing it's neon green, and we'll have peace. And there won't be any conflict. There won't be any conflict, but there also won't be any truth. Because when truth is left to everybody's subject subjectivity, when truth is left to everybody's own interpretation, then you've almost erased truth because nobody can understand what it is. But God said, listen, I determine what truth is. God's truth is absolute. It's not open to your opinions or your thoughts. Remember, it says it in 1 John 1, 6, so we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. If you're in darkness, remember as Valerie was walking over there and she was in the dark. If she said, yes, I'm still in the light, how many know she's lying? Because the light wasn't there. The light was over here. Now you can think it and you can even believe it, but it doesn't make it true. And that's the problem that we're having in today's day and age is we've gotten to a point where we go, you know what, well, you believe whatever you want to believe and I'll believe whatever I want to believe and we'll all live in harmony. No, we'll all live in a lie. That's what happens. We'll all live confused because it, it starts to tear away at our own understanding. Too often people base their walk with God on their own personal truth. And this is the thing that frustrates me as a pastor when it comes to other churches who have uh, watered down the truth of God's word in order to appease people. The Bible tells us that in the last days, people will go to what their itchy ears want to hear. And sadly, there have been a lot of churches that have preached things just so that people would stay in the church, just so they wouldn't go away. And they've watered down God's truth in order to appease people. We start to believe things like, I feel like I can live this way and still have a strong relationship with God. We base our truth on our feelings. We say things like, well, I can sleep with someone I'm not married to and still be okay with God because after all, God knows my heart. He knows I love them. And God's like, no, that, that's not what my truth said. My truth was very clear about sleeping with someone that's not your husband, not your wife. You can justify it. You can try to make it all what it is and you can lie to yourself. And honestly, that's nine times out of ten why a Christian does that is because it's easier to lie to yourself than face the truth. 
Because if you lie to yourself, you don't have to face up to the realities of it and you don't have to own it. It's easier to just assume, well, this isn't my fault. You know, God still loves me and God's still okay with me. That's true that God still loves you. He didn't take his love away. But you don't have a relationship with him because your relationship is in darkness. People start to think, I can live whatever lifestyle I want and still be okay with God. Listen, when you said yes to God, a transformation began to happen. Now, I'm not saying overnight everything in your life changed immediately. And for some people it does. But I also understand that word sanctification is a process of becoming more like Christ. And we are all on that journey. Nobody here is perfect. But there should be a change. There should be something different about you. Okay? If I claim to be going to the gym three times a day every day, but I look the same, right? My weight is the same. My muscle mass is the same. Everything's the same. And I'm like, but I go to the gym every day three times a day. You're going to say, man, you're lying. Either you're lying or you're eating three times as much to make up for what you're doing in the gym. But see, you, you can't say you're doing that and then not show any kind of transformation. Naturally, doing that begins to change certain things about you. And so if you've been going to church, if you've been working on your relationship with Jesus, if you've been growing spiritually, reading your Bible, living in the light, there is naturally a change that begins to happen. Some sort of fruit, some sort of change should be developing. And if you're not experiencing any of that and it's been a while, I would argue it's because you're living in darkness and not in light. I would argue that you're not doing what God has called you to do. People start to think things like, well, I can keep living like the rest of the world as long as I believe in God. Belief in God is never enough. The Bible even says, even the demons believe and shudder at his name. What makes you any different than demons? Okay? We're, at some point, all of us will believe in God. The Bible says that we all appear, before, all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So at some point, all of us will stand before God and believe. And that doesn't mean you go to heaven and that doesn't mean you have a relationship with him. At some point, we'll all believe. But do you have a relationship? It's not enough to just believe. You have to have a relationship. And so if you believe you can do whatever you want, even though it's against God's word, and still have a relationship with him, you're lying to yourself. Some of us think, I can keep living based on my own truth, on what makes me feel good. I can sleep with someone of the same sex because it's normal now in the world. I can start getting high because, hey, Illinois is about to make this legal, and so it's legal, it's okay. I can get drunk because that's fine. When I turn 21 and, and I celebrate my birthday party, I can, I can do those things, right? I have freedom in Christ, but listen, you got to be careful. Because, yes, you have freedom, but you don't have freedom to sin. And when you start walking down that path, what you're doing is you're walking away from your relationship with God. I'm not arguing your salvation. I'm talking about your relationship. Listen, Psalm 119, verse 105. This isn't on the screen, so you got to hear me out. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You want to know what's true? you got to start reading this. After a while, you can't claim ignorance, guys. Everybody here in this room is old enough to be able to read. Maybe not well, but you can read. <laughs> you can read enough to get this. And if you're sitting there like, but I don't understand it, you have 30 adults in this room that are willing to help you. You have a number of people that will sit down and say, hey, well, let me try to help explain that to you. 
And if they don't know, they'll call me. And if I don't know, I'll call somebody. And if none of us know, we'll ask Jesus when we die. But still, you have the opportunity to learn truth. If you don't, it's nobody else's fault but yours. You're the one that's, listen, can I tell you something? It's really hard to read in the dark. You hear me? It's really hard to read in the dark. Most of us, if we're not reading our word, if we're not spending time with Jesus, if we're not praying, chances are it's because we're in darkness. Because when you're in the light, reading is easy. When you're in the light, doing what God has called you to do is easy. Listen, John chapter 4, verse 23 through 24. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is looking for people that live in a relationship of truth with him. He's looking for the kind of people that want to have a true relationship with him. Not one where they worship him on their terms. Not one where they worship them in their style, how they feel. It, you know, you hear people all the time like, well, I don't got to go to church. You know, I worship God in my own way. Listen, none of us can worship God in our own ways. We have to worship him his way. Okay. His way says do not neglect coming together and meeting each other like some people are in the habit of doing. His way says to live in the light. That you're no longer children of darkness. His way is very clear on what's okay and what's not okay. We got to get to the point where we stop lying to ourselves and thinking, I'm okay as long as I don't go this far. Listen, I used to do it. I used to try to get to the edge of light. I used to try to get close enough where maybe I had one foot in the dark and one foot in the light. Where it's like, well, I'm doing some things, but they're not really bad they're not like, you know, I'm not like sleeping with anybody. I'm not getting drunk. I'm not getting high. So it's like, it's kind of okay. And God's like, listen, you're either in the light or in the dark. There's no middle ground. You're either all in or you're all out. The time is coming and indeed it's here. The third thing is this, if you're taking notes. You go on to see, so we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. And verse 7 says, but if we are living in the light, God is in the light, and we have fellowship with each other. Number three is this, in the light, there is fellowship. In the light, there's fellowship. That word fellowship, that's a really fancy church word. It simply means you have community with somebody. You're in a relationship. You have fellowship, number one, with God. If we are in the light, that's when we have fellowship with God. That's when we have the benefit of having a closeness to God. Some of you are sitting there like, man, I don't know why I don't feel God anymore. How come I don't feel like God's there anymore? Well, maybe he's where he's always been. You're the one that moved. Maybe you're the one that wandered off into darkness, and that's why you can't see God because it's hard to see things in the dark. But when you are in the light, you have fellowship with God. There's no question of where God is or what God's doing because you're right there with him. You're holding on to him. My wife and I were watching a show the other day when a child went missing, and it was only for like five minutes in the show, but we look at each other and we're like, mm-mm, if we ever have a kid, that kid will always be in front of me. If I'm talking to a million people at church, they're going to stand right there and wait till I'm done talking. Right? Anybody ever had that? Like your mom just held you by the collar and you're just like, mm-mm, not yet. <laughs> and you're trying to wander off and you're trying to leave. But what happens? When that child leaves, they become open to being hurt. They get open to being kidnapped. They get open to being damaged. They get open to falling into an accident simply because they wandered away from their father. 
Some of us, the only reason we got hurt is because we walked away from the Father. And we wandered off into darkness. We wanted to try it out. We wanted to see what it was all about. Because, listen, in darkness, things are curious. When it's dark, you're not quite sure what it is. And there's this curiosity that draws you in to say, hmm, I wonder what that's like. But when you have fellowship with God and you're in the light, you get the fullness of it. Remember 1 John 1, 7. But if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. When you are with the light, you have that fellowship. You have that closeness. Some of you are like, I can't hear God anymore because you're too far away. God doesn't always yell. Sometimes he whispers. Some of you are like, man, I don't, I don't know what God's speaking. I don't know what God wants from my life because you're too far. Listen, if I was God, I wouldn't shout either. You never heard me yell at you. I don't feel like I need to yell at you. You know why I put my hand up when we're at camps and stuff and I want you to be quiet? Because I'm a grown man and I'm not going to sit here and yell over 13-year-olds. I'm just not. I'm like, dude, I'm a grown man. So I just wait. And when I'm done, I'm like, okay. You see me do it. Why? Because the place I'm in, the authority I'm in, I shouldn't have to do that. Why should God have to yell when you're supposed to be close enough to hear him? Some of us wonder why we can't hear him. Right? Well, that was disrespectful. We'll reprimand him later. Listen, if you want to hear the voice of God, you got to be close enough. God shouldn't have to yell. And when you're in the light, you're in a relationship with him. And listen, we do it too, right? The people that are closest to us, we sit next to them. Why? Honestly, so we can whisper. So we can do those jokes. So we can be like. <laughs> hey, sit with me, sit with me, sit with me, sit with me. Right, sit right here. Right? Tell me, tell me you don't get mad when you go somewhere and your best friend's sitting on the other side. And you're like, hey, just save me a seat. Save me a seat. Save me, save me a seat. I don't want to, I don't, I don't even know them. I don't want to sit next to them. Save me a seat. What are we trying to do? We want to sit next to them. Why? We want to be close enough. Just in case. Movie theater, man, I do it all the time. I'm like, babe, you sit here. I want to sit here. I want to sit next to this person. Why? Because we both like this kind of movie. I want to talk to them about it. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even talk. I just want to do this. I just want to elbow them. Bro, did you see how Cap came out and everyone? Oh, so sick. <laughs> Listen, some of you, you don't have that closeness with God, not because he doesn't want to, but because you haven't made the effort to be close to him anymore. But here's the other thing. Living in the light doesn't just, doesn't just give you a relationship with God. But notice how John 1, 1, 7 says, <laughs> as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with who? Each other. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. Why? Because if all of us are in the light, if all of us are where God is, then we all have close relationship with each other. Some of you, you have a hard time with your relationships with people. Can I tell you something? I've never had to break up with a friend. I've never had to have this weird conversation like, hey, listen, um, I love Jesus and you're the devil, so we can't be friends no more. 
How many know? That's kind of rude. It's kind of awkward. And they're not going to get it anyway. They're going to be like, what you mean I'm the devil? Well, you got horns and you mean and fire come out your mouth when you talk. You're the, you're the devil. <laughs> okay? They don't always get that. Here's the deal. I've never had to do that because we were just going in different directions. Right? We were going in different directions. So the people I'm in friendship with, hey, let me, let me get those lights again. How about, how about the three of you ladies come over since, since Valet came? Come on. So here's the deal. Everyone else might be in darkness, but the three of us, you can turn around and look at them so it's not weird. Okay, we're in light. Let's just say I'm God in this scenario, right? The three of them, these can be friends. Why? Because they're all in the same light. Who are we not friends with? The ones in front of us that are in darkness. Now, the problem is walk to the left, girls. Well, we're walking this way, right? If you want to join us, you can jump in the light. But if you want to stay in darkness, that means our relationship is over. And it's not because I want to be mean. It's because you don't want to go where I'm going. And I'm not going to stay where you're staying. Does that make sense? Thank you, ladies. You can sit down real quick. So listen, when it comes to friendships, you don't have to make it complicated. You don't have to sit there and make a list and say, she's going to be my friend. He's not going to be my friend. She's going to be my friend. He's going to be my friend. She's not going to be my friend. You don't got to sit there and make this weird, like, hit list. Here's what you got to do. Man, I'm going after God. I'm going to be in the light. And I'm going to build a relationship with whoever else is in that light. Can I tell you something? That goes for the people in this room too. Because I'll be honest with y'all. Can we be transparent for a second? Not everybody in this room wants to live in the light. The hope is you're here because there may be an effort. But I ain't dumb. I've been in youth ministry long enough to know that there are people who will be here for years and never have any intention to live in the light. And for whatever reason, darkness attracts darkness. <laughs> and they want to be in the darkness together. And I need you to understand, it is okay if someone who refuses to live in the light is not in a relationship with you. Remember, though, don't get me wrong, the beginning of John, he welcomed everyone into a relationship with God. But it's on God's terms, not yours. He welcomed everyone into fellowship with God. He says, all of you, I want all of you to be in the light. But it's on my terms, not yours. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. People who don't have a relationship with God, don't team up with them. Why? How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? Listen to me. If those who you keep closest to you, your best friends, your inner circle, the ones that you have the most confidence in, if those you keep closest to you are not close to God, then neither are you. If those you keep closest to you are not close to God, then neither are you. Because you can't be in two places at once. You're either in light or in darkness. So think about this. Take inventory of your friendships. Take inventory. These are the people that when drama hits, they're the first person you call. These are the people that when you're scared and you're hurting, they're the first persons you reach out to. These are the ones when you're looking to hang out and do something, they're the first ones you call. If they don't live in the light, neither do you. That sounds harsh. But you know what else it sounds like? Truth. Some of you need to take inventory and start making some new friendships. 
Now listen, again, I'm not saying you can't be cool with them. I'm more than happy to have a relationship with someone in darkness if they're willing to step into the light. It's going to be on God's terms. It's not going to be on their terms. So if one of my unbelieving friends wants to hook up and hang out for a day, I'm more than happy to go to Panera Bread and get lunch with them. What I'm not going to do is go to the club to keep that relationship going with them. That's not where I live. I don't live in darkness. I'm okay if they want to come by the house and watch a movie. What I'm not going to do is go to their house party where everybody's drunk and high and I'm uncomfortable. Why? Because I don't want to be where darkness is. I'm going to do it on my terms because I'm not going to risk going back when God did everything to get me out of darkness. Does that make sense? Some of you need to really look at who you keep closest to you and understand, listen, I love you, but I'm going this way. I'm going after Jesus. That might be your own family. That might be your own sisters, your brothers. That might be your parents. And there's a decision you have to make. And Jesus said, listen, you got to count the cost of what it means to be my follower. That means the people in darkness, they're going to hate you for it. Let me tell you something. They don't like you walking away. And you thought they were all sweet. Wait till you start walking away. Wait till you, how come you don't call me anymore? How come you, you think you're better than me? Ever since you went to that church, you started acting like this. You started being like that. What happened to you? You changed. You're this, you're that. And all you got to do is say, you're right. Yeah, I changed. I'm different now. God changed my life. I love who God made me to be. And I'm not trying to be rude to you. I just, I'm not going to keep doing the things we used to do anymore. That's not me. And if you love me, if you respect me, you'll be okay with that. Even more, if you want to experience what I've experienced, I'm more than happy to help that and share that with you. But this is where I live now. And I don't live there anymore. The people who really love you, at least they'll respect you. And we can settle for respect. What we won't settle for is living a lie and going back to darkness. Does that make sense? Worship team, if you can help me out. The last thing is this. Going back to seven. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. If you're taking notes, number four is this. Light exposes sin, not you. Light exposes sin, not you. It's important to understand that you are not your mistakes. Just because you fail doesn't mean you're a failure. Just because you messed up doesn't make you a mess up. Most people avoid stepping into the light because they're scared of feeling exposed. Because the light hurts them. It's just like in the morning, my wife, she'll come in. I'm sleeping. She'll be like, babe, can I turn on the light? And I always respond with, sure, if you hate me. Why? We've all been there. Don't you hate it? Like, honestly, when your mom comes in, you're like, wake up, and she turns the light on. You ain't never gotten that angry that fast in your life. You're just like, ah. Why do you turn on the light? Why? Because that light is harsh. That light hurts. Because your, your eyes have adjusted to darkness. And the longer you're in darkness, the more they adjust to that. Your, your pupils actually dilate to adjust to darkness. They get bigger in order to try to allow what little light is there to seep in. 
And because those pupils are so big, when the light suddenly comes on, they're like shocked. And they shrink down to very tiny. But listen, that's just for a moment. It's just for a moment. Once you rub it out a little bit and you blink like 90 times and you start to look up, your eyes slowly but surely adjust back to the light. Too many of us are scared of being hurt by the light. And we'd rather stay in darkness. We're afraid of having our shame and guilt exposed. But listen to me. You can't wash your hands if you don't expose them to soap and water. You can't be made clean with God unless you're willing to expose your sin to him. You've heard me say this a number of times. Expose sin before you let sin expose you. You put it out there before it puts you out there. You confess to God, God, I've, I've been sleeping around with someone I'm not married to. I, I've, I've been doing that inappropriately. And, and God, I want to I expose that to you because I want you to make it right. Instead of walking into Excel pregnant and going, I don't know what happened. Well, we all do. <laughs> instead, of, instead of not coming to Excel anymore because that person broke your heart after they didn't want to stay with you. Expose sin before it exposes you. Say, listen, I, God, I've messed up. I, I didn't do what was right. I, I allowed myself to get caught in darkness. I'm sorry, God. And allow God to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Listen, John chapter 3, verse 19 through 21. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's judgment over your life is based on this fact. Right? This truth. Not your truth. Not your thoughts. This fact. God's light came into the world. Jesus Christ. But people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. So how do we know that you love darkness more than light? Your actions will tell us. What you do has more to say than what you think. Your actions will tell us which one you want to live in, darkness or light. And in this case, he says they love darkness more than the light. Why? Because their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear that their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light. Why? So that others can see that they are doing what God wants. In other words, listen, I'm just as messed up as anybody else. I've made mistakes. And God, I'm here to be honest. Can I, can I be honest with you? There are a lot of times where we'll make an altar call. Where we'll invite you to come and pray and talk to God and, and confess something that's been going on. And I've been in those seats. I've been in that position where I knew God wanted me to go up and I knew God was calling me. But I was scared because I didn't want people to know that my life wasn't all together. I was scared because I didn't want people to think something was wrong with me. You know, some of your leaders, there's moments where they feel like responding. And I've told them, you respond to God before you ever respond to a kid. And part of the leader's fear is, but I'm a leader. I don't want these kids to think I'm going through stuff. No, it's the opposite. The fact that they know you're going through things too is what allows them to understand. Man, if they go through it and they can go to God, then so can I. This is what he says. Listen, when you are willing to do this, when you are willing to go and get right to the come to the light, others can see what you're doing to honor God. And so Ephesians 5, verse 10 through 11 says it like this. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, do what? Expose them. 
Expose them. Say, listen, this is my, this is my reality. This is what I did. Listen, I, I hurt myself for, for years. And I'm always trying to hide these scars, but now I'm going to expose them to light. Why? Not because I'm embarrassed or afraid, but because when people say what happened, I don't have to tell them about cutting myself. I can tell them how God healed me and gave me a scar to talk about it. When people see that you started coming back to church after all these months of being away, you don't have to be embarrassed and scared. Or what are people going to think and what are people going to say? They're going to hear your story and understand why you were able to come back. Too often we're scared of what people think. Who cares what people think? All matters is what God thinks and what God believes. So here's how we're going to close. I'm going to ask you to stand. And in a moment... I want to give you an opportunity to expose what's going on in darkness. And here's how we're going to do it. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to go from dark into light. Go from where it's dark to where it's light. And when you come into the light, it's not about talking to me or, or anybody else. I want you to take a few moments and tell God, Expose what went on in darkness. Confess what's been going on in your life. Confess the sins that you're doing, the things that you're doing. Listen, can I be honest with you? The band is going to play. The music is going to go up. So no one cares about what you say. No one's paying attention to you. I know that's the idea. Like, well, if I come up and I start talking, everyone's going to shut up and listen to me. No, they're not. <laughs> All right? Because you're sitting here worried about me, and I'm like, <laughs> I got too much drama in my own life. I'm not worried about your life. Honestly. So here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And this whole message wasn't about your salvation. It was about your relationship with God. So I'm not questioning your salvation. But here's what I do want to know. Is there somebody here you've never made that decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Currently, you're still living in darkness. But tonight, as I was speaking, you felt this tug at your heart. Something kept tapping, saying, man, he's talking about you. This is all for you. God is inviting you, just like John was in the beginning, to have this relationship with God. So before we talk with all the believers, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in this place and you say, Pastor Joey, I don't want to stay in darkness anymore. I don't want to keep going the way that I'm going. I want to live in the light. I want to have a relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a real relationship with the God of this universe. If you're in this room, you're saying, Pastor Joey, I want that. I want to live in the light. Every head bow, every eye closed, no one's looking around. All I ask, would you just raise your hand so I know who you are and I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand high. Don't worry about anybody else. Ladies, if you can help me, I got a young lady over here and another here and another in the corner. Anybody else? Young man back there. Anybody else says, that's me, Pastor. Leaders, you can look around help me out. Just keep your hand up until one of my leaders comes to you. Anybody who says, that's me, Pastor, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. I need a guy over there. Primo, if you can help me out. Now, we're going to pray this together because we're a family. So say this along with me. And listen, there's nothing magical about the words. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that you are saved, that that's enough. So just repeat after me and say, Jesus... I know that I've lived in darkness. I know that I've sinned. But I ask you, God, to bring me into the light, to expose my sin and cleanse it with your precious blood. Make me clean. Make me new. 
Allow me to be a child of light, to be yours. I thank you, Lord, and I pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now listen, if, if you said yes, then there's a leader with you. They're going to pull you off to the side. You're just going to have a quick conversation so they can explain what's going on. But before we leave, for everybody else, just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. I want to talk to the believers, those of you who have a relationship with God, but you've been lying. You haven't been living in the light. You've been doing things in the darkness that you know you shouldn't be doing. It might be things on the Internet. It might be things with other people. It might be things that you came from and you went back to. Tonight is the night that we expose that. Tonight is the night that we say, listen, I'm not going to live in darkness anymore, but I'm going to expose this to the light. If that's you, I want you to join me up here right where the light is, and we're going to pray together. Come on, if that's you, come out of your seat. Even if it's one, two, I don't care who it is. You're the one that has to decide, am I going to stay in darkness or am I going to move into the light? Don't worry about what other people think. Don't worry about what other people say. This ain't about nobody else. It's about you and your relationship with God. This is about who God called you to be. This is about what God called you to do. Now listen, as you come up here, the worship team is going to begin to sing. But listen, where you're at, I want you to talk to God. You're not talking to me. This isn't between you and me. This is between you and God. So I want you to confess, God, this is what's been going on. God, this is what I've been doing in darkness. I know God knows, but there's something powerful about you exposing it. So right where you're at, would you just begin to talk to God? Would you just begin to tell him, God, here's where I'm at. Maybe you have enough courage to open up your mouth so that you don't keep hiding it. But just be honest about it and say, God, I've been struggling. I've been hurting with this. I've been doing that. Whatever it is, just begin to talk to the Lord. Just begin to talk to the Lord. Leaders, if you're here and you want to help me pray over some of these students, we would love that. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, God. God, I thank you that your word exposes our sin, but not necessarily us. Lord, it washes away what shouldn't be there, God, so that we can be closer to you, so that we can have a better relationship with you, Lord. And, Father, I know that in this world we won't be perfect. Father, I know that John was clear that he wasn't asking for perfection, God. Because on this side of heaven we'll never be perfect. But, Lord, that we know that if we remain in the light as you are in the light, whatever does creep up, God, you can cleanse us. Whatever mistakes we make, you can forgive us that. As long as we're willing to stay in the light and walk with you, In spite of the mistakes we make and and the mess-ups we have, we understand, God, that we can continue to journey with you. And, Father, I pray for those moments that we do wander into the darkness. God, I pray that that would only be for a moment, but that we'd quickly understand the need to go back into the light. So, Father, we thank you for your word, which illuminates our path, and we ask that it keeps lighting the way so that we don't have to guess or assume what truth is, but we would fully understand based on your Holy Spirit and your word. We thank you, God, because you've given us all the tools necessary to live in the light. So help us to do it. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. We love you. Here's one more thing. Listen, if you're here and there's some stuff you need to talk to somebody about, maybe God is telling you he wants you to expose it to another leader. Uh, There are leaders here that are more than happy to talk to you. Don't feel like you got to rush out. Remember, tomorrow we got small groups. So God bless you. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow.